Well, hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guests. That is plural because I've got more than one. I've got Molly and her brother, Kyle, on the line. They are the founder, CEOs, and brains behind the company Keto Brains with a Z. This is a coffee creamer nootropic. They sent me a bag a couple weeks ago. I've been putting it in my coffee every single day, and I love it. It tastes really good. I get clean, crisp energy, and they're awesome people whom I'm happy and proud to support. We talked about their motivation behind doing keto, their motivation behind making this coffee creamer. They use it every single day, which is a testament to the fact that they know what they're doing and are proud of the company that they've built and they believe in it, which says and stands for a lot. We talked about business. We talked about lifestyle. We talked about lessons learned in business. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, and I've got no doubt that you will as well. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with Molly and Kyle from Keto Brains. Live, Molly and Cal. How are you? Good, thank you. Happy day. Doing great, thanks. How about you, man? I'm good. Thanks for taking the time to jump on here with me. So I'm back. Y'all sent me this uh, this coffee creamer, um, and I've been using it every day here for the past, I guess, since y'all sent it a couple weeks ago. Um, it's the fully blown nootropic blend, and I'd love to kind of dive into nootropics on this episode for sure. But I'd love to kind of go back even farther and just talk about what got y'all interested in nootropics first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been in the supplement industry for close to 20 years. Um, a, I was, I was a fat kid an obese child went through the classic 10 years of eating disorders as a American female and around 24 kind of realized I needed to do something else clearly. And I ended up getting a job at a small health food store. And that was the beginning for me of back then that I discovered this word nootropic. And, you know, my basic understanding is that um, a number of years ago, right around when the Iron Curtain fell, the Russians had a brief time where they were kind of excited to do research on what they wanted to do research on. And the uh, the whole idea of substances that can be ingested either supplementally or in a pharmaceutical fashion that can make an already functioning brain function even better was something that they were interested in. And that piqued my interest because I love having a brain that works well. Mm -hmm. um, so it was about 20 years ago when I stumbled upon, you know, what nootropics were. And, you know, ever since then, I've, I've played around with them. I've played around with a number of them. I played around with them prior to really having an understanding of, you know, what neurotransmitters I wanted to be playing with. It was just kind of blindly like, let me try some GABA. Let me try some Phenibut. Let me try some, you know, uh, CDP choline. So over the years, um, I've kind of gone backwards in learning about these things. I would learn about the molecule in supplemental form. I would take it, I'd see what it felt like and decide either to continue taking it or not. But, you know, fast forward close to 20 years from that starting point and having a basic understanding of the different neurotransmitters and neuromodulators that we want to tickle in order to get 
a high functioning state of being um, has been phenomenal. And our nootropic creamer basically came out of what I was already blending up in my kitchen every morning. And the addition of the MC, the MCT powder came because, well, you know, I discovered keto three years ago and there was no going back. And I was already doing the C8 MCT. Um, and it, it really was a very organic process. Um, keto and ketones are absolutely phenomenal for cognitive function. Um, and, you know, the addition of the nootropics just seemed like a very organic match. Gotcha. And y- y'all are brother and sister, correct? Yes. Correct. You got a pretty similar story there, Kyle? Pretty similar. <laughs> uh, kind of adjacent. I've always been the younger brother. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you have siblings or not, but oftentimes I would end up being the guinea pig. Uh, for of course. Both supplements and other things such as hair dye that my sister might want to use. <laughs> and, uh, so, <laughs> you know, I didn't have a choice earlier in my life, but at a certain point I realized that sister was always coming up or she had these ideas that I obviously had no ideas about or had no experience with yet. Like nootropics, keto was absolutely not on the radar back then. Um, but initially she would come to me with this, Oh brother, you have to try this. No, you're, you, you need to protect your brain or you need to protect your heart or you need to this, that, or the other thing. And initially I would be kind of inquisitive and be like, yeah, okay. Why exactly? And want to know more about it. We're both very stubborn. Yeah. Fast forward 25 years or whatever (laughs) it is now. I just accept it. (laughs) She says, do this. I say, that's probably right. (laughs) I like it's worked it. out. <laughs> yeah. So now, are you doing keto as well? I am mostly, I, I usually describe it as like intermittent keto. Mm-hmm. So I will go into keto during periods of uh, high, uh, high productivity or, or creativity or when I know I want to maximize my time and efforts. Uh, or if I want to go into like a deep therapeutic ketosis for healing or recovery. Uh, but in general, my diet is basically keto carnivore, just as a matter of happenstance. It's just what I eat. And mm-hmm. then we intermittent fast yeah. accidentally 16 to 18 hours. And then when we're thinking about it, right. um, it's usually an intermittent fast of about 20 hours. And, you know, I'm, I CrossFit every morning. I lift weights. Like, yeah. I, you know, as you know, once you're fat adapted, there is no issue with that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I learned in the beginning, I was I was so entranced by this idea of keto. Um, that first podcast where Dom D'Agostino was on Joe Rogan, I was like, I stopped eating all carbs for three days. Ketosis hit. I was like, what is this? This is magic. I got like 20 texts a day. Like, Brother, you need to try this. Um, I was like, okay, okay. But okay, because I, I came at it from there, I was basically doing, you know, I was kind of doing the 90-10 because... I wanted to write, just keep to to uh, be real and lasting, and I wanted to fully fat adapt. And so, in the beginning, um, I hadn't been doing CrossFit. I was doing a lot of trail running, longish trail runs in the hills. And even though my brain, like my brain and my body, felt amazing, but I definitely felt that initial adaptation period, whereby an eight to fourteen mile run in the mountains became two to three mile runs for a few months. Um, and mm. once I became, once I 
you know, I, I love the blood testing device. So I would test, you know, my dry wine farms wine and my, you know, my whiskey. And I would play around with different protein levels and see how my body responded. Very, very aware of the, the numbers. Very aware. Yeah, very aware of the numbers in the beginning. Yeah, the ketone readings. Um, yeah. But basically, once once I was fully fat adapted, um, I then I upped my protein a lot. And because I'm so active, um, I you know, I'm pretty much do OMAD with a very heavy protein fat meal at night. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I, I don't regret not having done more protein in the beginning because keto hit fast and hard and it was an amazing experience. Um, but it's nice now knowing a little bit more about gluconeogenesis in an active person versus a non-active person and how my personal physiology responds to a higher protein keto carnivore sort of uh, choice. Um, I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine living or eating in any other way at this point. It just yeah, makes zero sense. There is so much data and more and more every day, more and more data just support the conclusion that anything, you know, generally low carb diets are a good approach, but eat just things that lead to diabetes just any starch processed foods breads sugars are just other than for potential i mean occasional enjoyment there's just no room for them in a yeah. diet in a healthy human diet or carefully there's, consumed in a training format right you know, and it's can... it's not that you need to completely avoid them for the duration of your life but they should not be a regular part of anyone's diet in our just, humble yeah in our no, humble non-scientific opinion it's not even that humble i just the <laughs> I science is more and more saying that that's the case yes so it's no, been interesting i'm no on the same page for sure I, I am not an advocate for a bunch of you know nutrient void highly processed carbohydrates by any means right. um I, I don't i mean from a crossfit standpoint you i feel like crossfitters i, I did crossfit for a few months so i don't want to sound totally ignorant here because i probably am but I feel like CrossFit is is an interesting community in itself in the sense that whatever the the main interest in nutrition is, it kind of carries throughout the entire CrossFit community. Is that is that accurate? So it is, and it's funny because unless I am asked, I do not mention the fact that I do not <laughs> eat breakfast, I do not eat lunch, that I do not eat carbohydrates because they do have a very specific plan. And um, I don't think it's a bad plan. It's, you know, it's paleo. Um, but I, I do find it interesting. I don't gas out and end up on the floor at the end of a CrossFit workout. I, I push and I feel tired, um, as you would expect. But you don't, you don't crash out when mm -hmm. you're fat adapted the way you do when you made sure to have your banana and your bar and your smoothie before your workout. Um, and I do all these workouts fasted and I don't, you know, every once in a while I wonder like, could I push harder? Would I put muscle on more quickly? Um, but I push pretty hard and I, you know, genetically put on muscle pretty easily. So I'm not concerned for myself. Uh, but a couple of the trainers have opened a conversation and unless I'm asked, I don't say anything because I don't want to mess with their program. Mm -hmm. I'm just there for someone to, um, mm -hmm. kick my butt. And it's it's not as though it's prohibited in any way. You're no, just trying to avoid that. I don't want to mess with their protocol. Yeah. I'm not there. I'm not there to preach. If someone has a question, I'm more than happy right. to delve in. Um, but 
I do think it's tricky because even like in the intermittent fasting space, I think intermittent fasting is really difficult for anyone who has not been through a fat adaptation period because, you know, once you're fat adapted, once you've been in the ketogenic state for some time, that feeling of hunger that exists pre-keto, it doesn't exist. So, you know, asking someone who's not fat adapted, eating five times a day with great Intermittent fasting is going to be really hard for them and maybe not, and maybe detrimental. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to learn how to be really careful with when to share what and in what doses, if you will, so that people are not scared off by the process. Um, Because I want people to stay open to the idea that you can, in fact, be healthy and hyper-functional in that fat-adapted state with very few carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Like you, you kind of want to scream from the mountaintops, stop doing that, but that scares people away. And then you're the crazy person. So it's like, okay, how do I dribble a little bit of information in? Like just this morning after CrossFit, uh, one of the gals that was next to me remembered from like four days ago that I said, I only ate once a day and she stopped and asked me, and it was an opportunity to, you know, softly share um, that I do do that, but that I was fat adapted and that it becomes much easier once you're fat adapted. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's kind of uh, being mindful to meet people where they're at so that you don't kind of take them off their own path too soon. Yeah, totally. And I feel like a lot of people get into keto from paleo initially. I feel like paleo kind of acts as a gateway almost because paleo for the most part does place an emphasis on quality whole ingredient foods and that's what keto is all about like a properly formatted ketogenic diet advocates that for sure so it kind of acts as a gateway there but it's interesting because when i was doing crossfit they were all about the zone diet and now it's paleo so it kind of goes through cycles it seems so maybe the next cycle will be keto who knows yeah yeah that would be awesome (laughs) i could see that being like the natural gateway and paleo if you're someone who consumes a lot of processed carbs like paleo is a great oh yeah great diet pretty much anybody. Absolutely. That you, you solve a lot of problems by just making that switch. But Mm -hmm. I think kind of, as you mentioned, as, as time goes on and as data comes out, it's like paleo is great, but what, what is it about paleo that's really providing the greatest benefit, um, for, for doing the diet? And I think it's probably going to start leaning more and more towards like the keto and the keto carnivore. hundred percent agree. Kind of direction. I want to dive into protein a little bit because Right before we started recording, I had a podcast and we talked about the high fat versus high protein debate. I think it's largely contextual based off of your level of activity and your amount of muscle mass and your level of fat adaptation. So you said you do a a heavy protein version of of OMAD now with high fat and high protein. Is that protein, like are are your grams of protein exceeding your grams of fat or how's that structured? Mm, Right now, so... We just started this uh, soberish October challenge with our whoop straps. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing CrossFit in the morning and then a kettlebell workout at night in addition to various runs and walks with the dog. So I've upped my activity even more. So my current OMAD is like, it's close to a half a pound of organic beef and a couple of eggs. Um, the fat that's added comes from a little bit of cheese. I don't really add fat to the pan. Um, that's a really good question. I think it's more protein than fat, but 
Um, our keto brains creamer, I consume at least twice a day, and that is a base of C8 MCT. So there's some fat in the coffee that I drink throughout the day. Um, but I think something really important that you had said, the amount of protein that I can ingest, I think has everything to do with the fact that, you know, I'm eating once a day after a 20 to 22 hour fast and two days worth of physical activity in one day. You're also going on two, almost three years of keto. Yeah. This is my third year. There's been a lot of adaptations. So yeah, yeah. your body is probably very well adjusted. Um, so it's probably, you know, that's a very good question. I would say over the day, it's probably very close to equal. And yeah. if I count the C8 MCT that's in my coffee, um, and I will do like little fat bombs um, because I like my dessert. So mm -hmm. there's some fat in those. Mm -hmm. um, so it might be, it might be a 50-50, but I don't know. Um, I do not know what my total calorie intake is right now for the day. That's a really good thing to consider. Because yeah. eating once a day, I don't even think about it. And knowing how much activity right. I'm engaged in, I no longer, I only thought of calories in the beginning when I was fat adapting and was like throwing the egg whites away and only doing the egg yolk and adding extra MCT oil to the eggs. You know, I wanted the, uh, I wanted the, the Don Diagostino um, seizure diet. Yeah. <laughs> Our anti-seizure diet. Um, but that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'm going to put a little more thought into that because I'd be curious what that ratio looks like. Mm -hmm. Like this morning I woke up at a 1.4 and after CrossFit, um, I was only down to a one and typically CrossFit will lower my ketones because obviously your body is mm -hmm. utilizing the ketones for fuel. Um, but I think waking up at a 1.4, uh, says, yeah, it's all I need to know. Still, still in ketosis, strongly. Well, one point yeah. four is decent. Yeah. Like, like with less activity, I'll wake up with a point four, a point six. Drink my coffee, go out for a walk, and then I'll be back at like a one point eight. Um, it's just, it's a fun tool. It's a fun tool to play with. Are you still actively measuring your ketones, like on a daily basis? So it depends if I'm in the middle of a competition prep or an experiment of sorts. If I'm just maintaining or in like a slight surplus to be focusing on building muscle then I'm not tracking every single day because I can tell by the way I feel. But if I'm in a competition prep and really trying to get things honed in, if I'm doing an experiment and trying to control for as many variables as possible, I'll track everything. I'll track calories, macros, weights, uh, all the blood, all the body fat measurements, everything. Um, cool. But I feel like when you're adapted, uh, you can definitely tolerate a higher protein threshold, so to speak. Like someone that's, that's never gotten into keto and is living on a standard American diet, they're probably going to benefit from that very higher uh, fat ratio. And then once you've adapted, that protein threshold increases, especially if you have more physical activity and more lean muscle tissue. Um, but yeah. even then, I feel like, you know, a one to one, like from a gram standpoint, that still yields a like a 66% of your calories coming from fat, which is still a pretty solid fat ratio. So you're not really yeah. getting into murky waters at all there. And, you, and that way, like if I have too high a protein, I notice that my brain function declines a little bit i just won't feel as sharp but if i'm having yeah. adequate fats and then I, and i eat enough calories like because we all are very active and have muscle we can tolerate a much higher caloric intake so you're going to have more protein by default by simply eating more calories yeah i yeah. agree yeah. and i think that that's i think that's really important and when i get into those conversations with people who 
have not begun the process yet. I always, I, I'm very repetitive in that, listen, just get into ketosis, get a ketone meter. Don't worry about calories for the first four weeks. Don't worry about anything other than dialing in, staying in, a, getting into and staying in a ketogenic state. Um, and then obviously like a giant conversation, this whole keto flu thing, I didn't know anything about, you know, hypervolemia and having low sodium levels um, for probably my first three weeks of keto. Mm -hmm. And then I came across the data. I was like, oh, the moment I started salting everything, there, there was no such thing as keto flu. There was no digestive upset. There was no drinking water all day. Um, and I think a lot of people think that there's this giant barrier called keto flu to getting into ketosis and a uh, big advocate for the first part of the conversation being about the sodium requirement when you are fat adapting and really trying to give people this visual that your body, your body requires four grams of water to store one gram of glucose. Mm -hmm. So all of that water that your body was holding on to to store the glucose that you're not going to use anymore, that's just going to fall off your body. But our bodies have learned how to store all of their electrolytes and, you know, sodium being primary and potassium, obviously, um, in that water that you no longer have. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's important because so many people getting into keto are still afraid of fat. And then you go and tell them that they need to up their sodium by right. like four times. They're like, mm -hmm. ah, I'm going to die. Yeah. There's so like, yeah, there, I think there are two main, uh, I think pre-existing like dogmas that exist that you have to proactively address anytime you want to have this conversation with anybody who may be interested in keto. And number one is that there's this myth that fat is bad for you. And it's been around for a while. It's kind of, I don't even think the, well, the science, doesn't say that anymore um as far as what i've seen but um there is, and then there's the salt like there's the salt is bad people and the fat is bad people yep so you need <laughs> to know that's coming you tell someone that they need to eat more fat and more salt to be in better shape you get a lot of strange looks unless yep. you have <laughs> unless you're prepared for that this is why you have to have a younger brother and you just test it all out on them and hope they don't die <laughs> so i when Molly was getting into ketosis and super focused on it and super interested in it. I was training constantly for uh, endurance trail marathons. So I was running a lot. between 20 and 40 miles a week. And um, just based again, I'm, I'm a no breakfast guy and have been for a while. So it's coffee and keto brains. It was more running than that. You were until running 20 like miles a day sometimes. Sunday. Sorry. Well, no, yeah, it's a <laughs> different conversation, but um I would just have the coffee and keto brains and maybe two, but I was doing bulletproof coffee at the time. So my coffees would literally be, I don't know, 300 calories, three, 400 calories. So mm -hmm. it was basically a meal, but it was very keto. Um, and so my body, I think was naturally fat adapted. Daily. Well, right. So if she was getting into it, she's like, Oh, I got my number up to like 0.6 or 0.8. So like I'm in ketosis. And she's like, brother, you need to try it. You need to try it. And I was like, all right, fine do the blood test or do the meter reading and it was like six eight or something six to eight for yeah in that beginning adaptation phase especially i think before your body figures out how to actually use all the ketones mm -hmm, that yeah. you're making right like his with the running he was doing <laughs> and the intermittent fasting his numbers were just obscene right. <laughs> but yeah so fat adaptation had already kind of occurred for me and so i could after a long run day have a beer and a burrito and wake up 
in, keto. in ketosis. Yeah. But he'd have these different symptoms um, that I knew had to do with salt and he just would not eat enough salt oh, at the beginning. Yeah, I did. I'd I, come over and be like, yeah. sister, I have a headache. I'm like, brother, <laughs> did you eat salt? He'd be like, oh, I put a little bit of salt. I'm like, no, give me uh, your hand. And I would pour salt into God. his hand and he would eat it. And and I hate being told what to do. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. But I hate like it. magic, he would feel better. But because, I did it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so I put a tablespoon or she put a tablespoon of salt in my hand. I literally just gulped Open. it. And 15 ish minutes later, headache was gone discomfort yeah. was gone and i was basically felt like this was magic but it was table salt yep yeah <laughs> yeah so salt and potassium that. are so incredibly key i mean especially from like a training standpoint but also just simply yeah. from a, an aesthetic standpoint like when i'm doing a competition you know like in the training leading up to that if i if, if my electrolytes are off i can't even function but if i don't have the right electrolyte balance on stage you don't look near as you know put together you don't have near the vascularity you don't have near the right. the statement I mean, nothing works um and if your your electrolytes are off your your cognitive function is going to be you know diminished as well so having totally. that in check is is so incredibly important right yeah that's huge and it's such a simple fix is what's crazy like the biggest physical barrier to entry people have i think is that fear of keto flu and a increase in salt mm -hmm. you know being aware of whatever personal medical issues you have, um, it's such a quick way to address that issue. 100%. So I'd love to dive into the product, the Keto Brains. Like what, what's the ingredients, you know, piece by piece, break them down. Like why, why'd you put those in? What do they do? Just kind of enlighten yeah. us here. Yeah, cool. so the base of the creamer is a pure C8 MCT uh, because C8 does the best job of stimulating the liver to produce ketone bodies. Um, the second ingredient is a coconut cream powder for the additional fat and for a very, a very, very mild, um, coconut essence kind mm -hmm. of flavor. Um, and then the key ingredients, the nootropics, we have, uh, alpha GPC, 300 milligrams per scoop. Uh, alpha GPC is alpha glycerophosphocholine. This is a acetylcholine precursor. It's one of the best forms of choline for ensuring, um, for stimulating production of acetylcholine in the brain. Mm -hmm. And acetylcholine is the neuromodulator that's absolutely crucial for focus and for uh, virtually every type of memory. Uh, there's also studies on acetylcholine in 600 milligram doses prior to lifting weights that show that it increases power output. Um, across the board, just an amazing nootropic. There are other forms of choline. Um, I've used all of them over the years. Uh, for me, the alpha, the alpha GPC form seems to feel the friendliness, or I'm sorry, the friendliest. Mm -hmm. um, CDP choline is very popular, but for me, uh, my understanding is that CDP choline in, hits endogenous amphetamine receptors, whereas alpha GPC really only helps with the increase of acetylcholine. So I have used CDP choline and I always just kind of felt like uncomfortable and a little bit like too aggro in a way. Mm -hmm. So I stopped using that years ago. So that's why we chose the alpha GPC. Uh, Lion's Mane is best known for its ability to increase NGF, nerve growth factor, and BDNF, brain-derived mm -hmm. neurotrophic factor. And then L-theanine, we have 500 milligrams. Um, I love L-theanine. L-theanine crosses the blood-brain barrier and mm -hmm. helps us make our own GABA. It's kind of what started this all, really. 
it, we, yeah, all of this started with us putting capsules of theanine in our coffee. And then it was like, let's put a little lion's mane, let's put a little of this. Um, but theanine is brilliant in that it's been shown to increase alpha brain waves. And alpha brain waves are the state that we're in when we're in, when we're focused on something that we love, whether it's archery or running. Um, flow state. Flow state. Well, kind of, yeah, flow state is tricky. It's, it's, um, I say this only because um, the neuroscientists that I follow are all kind of up in the air about whether or not we can really create flow state with substances. But, you know, for our purposes, flow state to me feels like an alpha brainwave state. Um, so those three ingredients uh, in functional doses that you can't taste in a base of the C8 MCT, especially if you're fat adapted, if you start your morning with your coffee, a scoop of C8 MCT, you're going to further stimulate production of ketones, which we know to be fantastic for cognitive function and clarity. And then you've got the additional stack whereby we're increasing acetylcholine for focus, we're increasing BDNF to help with nerve regeneration and nerve growth, and we're increasing um, we're increasing GABA for, now I want to say flow state, but <laughs> increasing GABA for alpha brain waves. Mm-hmm. Um, and personally, I find that you know, I love alpha GPC. I've taken it for years, but I love tempering it with the L-theanine because it's this clear, sharp, focused, calm, as opposed to just like super clear, super sharp, go, you know, where's the stop button? Um, this is kind of a, this is a blend that's going to get you going, get you clear and kind of keep you in that place for quite a number of hours. Yeah, I mean, I really like the fact that y'all have effective dosages of all of these ingredients as well because i feel like nootropics as a as a category has grown in popularity so you see a lot of companies you know throwing these these hyped up words on a label saying that we got alpha alpha gpc but there's no i mean there's hardly any like any amount in there there's no uh, effective dose they put it behind a proprietary blend and you have no idea what you're actually consuming whereas you have a super legitimate dose of each of these ingredients so you can actually feel the difference that it provides yeah. And I think people, there are two kind of ways to create a product. One is that the marketing department says, oh, there's a lot of searches for these things. Let's create a label that has the minimal amount requisite to say that we have it in the product. Of all the things. <laughs> of all the things. And then you have people that have just been using these things on their own in effective doses for so long. And they create a thing and say, well, if you're going to take it and you want to feel it and use it, then it needs to be at this dose. Yeah. And that's where we came at it from. If you're going to take a thing, you need to feel it. There's a reason... Well, and it's, it's on the label. coming yeah. from the coming from the nutrition and supplement industry. I hate nothing more than being presented with products where clearly they hired an excellent marketing team. Uh, clearly, they did their research on you know Google searches, and then you flip to the back of this product claiming to be a nootropic, and they're just renaming everything as a nootropic. You know, ashwagandha. I love ashwagandha. It is not a nootropic. Mm-hmm. Um, green tea, love it. Could we call it a nootropic? I guess. Um, and to be fair, you know, nootropic is a very vague word with a vague definition. But you know, I I don't typically like products that offer a full blend of things because I want to know precisely what I'm taking. I want to know its source. And then to your point, I want to know the dosage because mm-hmm. there are there are doses that have been used in studies and there are doses you can actually feel. And 
it's been interesting um, as people become more aware of this nootropic space, seeing all of these companies jumping on board and I'm like, oh yeah, let me see, let me see that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you check the ingredient profile and I get what they're trying to do. um, But I want, if I'm going to make a product, I want it to be something that I would use every morning and pay for on a monthly basis. 100%. And a lot of people have actually reached out saying that they were basically buying all these things separately. um, And the product in and of itself the product that we put out ends up being less expensive and more effective than when they've purchased each of these items separately. Right. aim anything use is we want it to be effective, clean, and affordable. I, affordable and no junk ingredients. Like yeah. so many MCTs are adding fiber, uh, which takes away from the mouthfeel. Um, uh, so many of these products you can add things that bulk up the product and make it cheaper to produce, but less effective. And I'm just not interested. Yeah, that's 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 so huge. I mean, what what is the the cost of your of like the size pouch that I got from you? That is uh, $39.99 uh, for a 30 day supply, uh, with every scoop being a functional dose, right. including the C8 MCT. Yeah, and you've probably seen other nootropic blend that is half that price but has less than half of that effective dose yeah and ones that are double that price <laughs> exactly with, with, <laughs> with half the effective dose right marketing <laughs> but great marketing and exactly. great teams and you know i'm sure they're lovely but for myself you know i look at some of these blends like l-tyrosine i love l-tyrosine great way to immediately increase dopamine I do not want L-tyrosine mixed in with my acetylcholine precursor. I would, I, a lot of these in my mind are kind of mixing nootropics that you'd use for different reasons to get to a different head state all into one. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the immediate things I look at is like, I don't want to take something that's going to confuse my nervous system and my neurochemistry. There's a time and a place for lemon balm. There's a time and a place for dopamine or, uh, um, Makuna, there's a time and a place for these things, but just putting them all into one product so that someone who's new to the space can turn it over and go, oh, this, these are all the nootropics that I've been reading about. This is perfect. <laughs> all They're, of them. It, precisely. For everything. <laughs> You're not going to have a good experience. Right. And, you know, I want the user to have a good experience. This is primarily intended as a morning, afternoon um, beverage, you know, we do have people who make a nighttime beverage with it and they seem to do brilliant, Mm -hmm. but you know, that would be a different nootropic blend for nighttime. Um, so yes, (laughs) that was something I was very aware of at the beginning of this. And I'm even more keenly aware of now as more of these products come out. Yeah. Well, as you said in the beginning, I mean, this is pretty much what you've been taking daily for your own personal need before you ever decided to make it into a product. And I think like as a businessman myself, I always love connecting with other entrepreneurs that created a product out of their own need, a way to scratch their own itch because it mm-hmm. answered a problem. I feel like a lot of people, there's a lot of different ways to do business. And I've been in business for oh, yeah. 
few years now and I've learned a ton in those few years and I love it. I love it. Business is like chess. Like there's always a different way and different strategy, but it's pretty fun. Yeah. It, it's very fun. Very, very, uh, nerve wracking, but very fun. But I feel like a lot of companies, especially in the, in the food product space, like food and beverage industries, I mean, there, there can be some pretty intense margins in the food and product world. And there's a lot of dishonesty in the food and food and product world. Like there's a 20%, uh, you know, window, I don't know what it's like for, for beverages, but a lot of food products, I mean, you have like a 20% margin of error on the nutrition label. Like you've got a lot of leeway there and a lot of companies yep. will ride that to the nth degree to try and, you know, make as much of a margin as they can. And yeah. they put a lot of marketing dollars in there, but they skimp on quality and it's just, it just winds up getting to very shaded territory. But for y'all, it's like, you made this with the right intentions out the gate because it was satisfying your need. And 100%. when you go into business with that, it's like you, you're building your business on integrity and you wouldn't want to sacrifice that integrity to make another dollar because then it just goes against who you are as people. And yep. that is something that I can get behind. Yeah, I wouldn't it, – it would feel terrible. I can't imagine putting something out there that was in any way intentionally misleading people. Number one, thinking that this is something that they – either need to have or that it will fix something for them that we don't know about. We just, we want it to be very, well, the product transparent. is us. It, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah it the is product us. is us and it's a reflection of, it's a reflection of who we are and how we choose to live. And, you know, we're both on a path of, I'm going to self-improve until the day I drop dead. And that is yeah that's kind of like the underlying basis of anything we do is right. every single day you can become a better more stronger version of yourself and you know in the small community of people in santa barbara who know me you know even just in that small community i feel like they know i wouldn't put garbage out there um but the rest of the world doesn't know that so it to me is extra right. important to be very clear about the fact that we're not producing an everything but the kitchen sink product that there are no hidden ingredients that this is a product that i would buy and use every day and did for years before it became a product right mm -hmm. um but i think you know as with your company what you produce is a reflection of like the effort and love and commitment you put into your life, to your living physique. your own best life, yeah, one hundred percent. And the product, the product has to one hundred percent reflect that, or it's not yeah. worth doing. And something, it's funny that we we half joke, but we're kind of not really joking about is saying that we very selfishly created this For so us. that we can make <laughs> everybody's brain in our immediate circles function at a higher level yes. so that we can have a better time playing with them. We want, we want <laughs> like, more fun brains we to want play with. Everybody's brain just like firing as <laughs> as well as possible so yes. that they're like they're more fun for us to interact with. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean the fact that you drink it every single day is a testament to the fact that you believe in it. I eat one of my keto bricks every single day without fail and I have for the yeah. past two years. It's like you, you when you when you're that passionate about it, you can't help but live the ethos, and that's so incredibly important. And yeah. I mean, you, by doing that, you you're probably leaving money on the table. But at, at the end of the day, like, what are you hanging your hat on? Like, what are you here on this planet to do? And if it's just 100%. to make money, then that's a pretty unfulfilled life. Agreed. Yeah, and you can try. I mean, you can try, and uh, I think most people who do get to that point where money isn't really an issue anymore, and they're just gaining more money than they know what to do with. There, that's a whole. It's gonna. They're trying to fill a hole 
it's not ever going to be filled. Yeah. It's, it's an unsatisfying pursuit, ultimately. Sure, we all need money to some extent, depending on how you'd like to live. But if if your core motivation is to have as much of that as you want, you're just going to be forever dissatisfied. 100%. So what is it like working with your sibling? We're, <laughs> we, we often stop and just... We often stop because we realize we're really fortunate. Insanely um, lucky. So is what it feels fortunate. Like. like just I don't know very many people who have an actual like friendship and bond with a sibling. And it, it's you know, it was odd like in early years because I just kind of figured if you are a sister and you have a brother, you guys are friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's just how it works. And right? you you know, you come to find out that it's not normal and you know i joke with him there's a there's a gene that we share that has to do with how much dopamine is in your brain <laughs> and we both happen to have the same gene for high dopamine in the brain and part of me feels like because we share that gene one of us doesn't drive the other one crazy because <laughs> we're both very stubborn very driven very passionate we both have we kind of feel like an extra gear that maybe not everyone has Especially um, in ketosis, like when you get to that level where you're just buzzing, dialed. people can't keep up. No, mm -hmm. it's nothing. It's not even really that special. Like sometimes I'm there, sometimes I'm certainly not there, and I can't keep up. That happens. That's part of it. But I think one of the benefits of having the sibling or having Molly as my sister, as we do in the relationship that we have, is that people talk about twins have their own twin language. <laughs> we absolutely have this weird shorthand language that nobody would able be able to follow it's like our own little mini Neuralink. yeah like we, <laughs> we don't the thing we never have to provide context no nope. we're never and neither one of us is ever concerned that someone is, is like attacking the other one or nope. defending or gets takes anything personal so we can say whatever we want without hesitation every moment yeah like, and the efficiency of being able to communicate that way is just amazing and i haven't experienced it anywhere else no and i one of the things that i often think um, like I'm not an incredibly social person. And sometimes I think that part of that is because I have such a quality relationship and friendship with Kyle. I'm not constantly seeking for these outside bonds. Mm -hmm. and over time, I've come to just kind of feel bad because I feel like so many people are seeking, you know, the friendship and the relationship that we have. So many people are seeking in their significant other, or they're seeking it in a friend or a friend group, or they're seeking it, uh, you know, via social media because they're not able to have that bond. And, you know, your significant other for most people can't be everything. Yeah. And so I just, I see people striving to find that connection. And I just feel so grateful that, you know, happenstance we have that um and to his point you know we're we're on the same page so there's no like weird sibling battle over anything that's said if i don't like something that we produce uh for the website or he doesn't like something i've written it's all constructive help towards the same goal and i think that's rare um i, I intensely grateful on a daily basis yeah yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I uh, is, is it just the two of y'all, or do you have employees as well? Just us. Yep. Two dogs and a cat. We wear all the hats. <laughs> all the hats. That that's that's definitely part of it with business. So it is. <laughs> what uh? So like I found like my wife and I, 
we also run the business together, uh, which is an interesting dynamic that most people probably will never experience as well. Um, right. But we've been able because we're we're totally different. Like we have like our own neural link, like you say, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we are very different in most aspects of life. And I've been able to let her leverage her strengths with certain aspects of business, and I've been able to leverage mine, and we kind of, you know, work together on our weaknesses. But I think having that has been so incredibly rewarding because we're able to to learn more about each other on a deeper level. And it's interesting because, I mean, there's a lot of frustrations with business. So, like, for y'all, how how do you kind of leverage each other's strengths? Like, is there, like, one specific aspect that y'all gravitate to versus the other? Yep. I yeah. think, um, well, Kyle's, Kyle's been self-employed. Kyle's a professional photographer and built a m- number of businesses. I've co- I come from the supplement industry. All bootstrappers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I come with, you know, tw- close to 20 years of experience. I'm a nutritionist. I've worked in the supplement industry for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked selling product. I've worked as a buyer. So you know, the strength that I bring is really knowing what the market looks like, the industry, the products, the industry. Yeah. Kyle's love. Kyle can tell well, you. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only specific knowledge I have of the industry, which is probably going to be a lot more than the average person is from my sister because we spend so much time together. And obviously since we've started this company, this business, um, it's just increased, but mm-hmm. my, my experience and my skill set is, I guess what I bring to the table most specifically is that experience being uh, a solopreneur, just like, I want to do this. I've got this idea. I'm tired of waiting for other people to get back to me to, to figure something out. I, I'm going to do it. I just need to figure it out. I don't know what it is. Um, and taking that approach over the course of eight to 10 years, there's stuff that I take for granted, like setting up online or social media account profiles and stuff that, that I'll get super stuff. frustrated and like sister. It's automatic, <laughs> yeah. And I know I know how to troubleshoot it. I know what to look for. I know the pitfalls. Um, and <laughs> watching my sister deal with these things <laughs> before, <laughs> I didn't even try it. Honestly, like <laughs> I watch her. We got her actually. We got her a computer. It's a MacBook Pro. It's the same one I've got. And then like I've got mine all dialed and set up, and I use it the way I use it. It's <laughs> like I know where everything is. It's super organized. Like I jumped onto her computer and I was just like, what are you doing? <laughs> How do you even make this work? Like, where is anything? I know where it is. And she does. And that's perfect. Um, but <laughs> it's, but just, you it's have... not her strong suit, you know, no. website building, like design, asset creation, photography, uh, cre- just product development. Uh, all of all of that kind of stuff is where, where I probably add most mm-hmm. to the team. I think it's, I think it's pretty well, it feels pretty well balanced. It does. Um, it does. I feel like I watched Kyle, I watched over the years, Kyle go through all of the various frustrations and trying to do things himself and then finding the point at which you hire someone to do the thing. Mm-hmm. And Magic, then, by yeah. the way. And Magic. so he, he's has all of that, that helps me because I don't always know exactly where to start in that realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like to move fast, think fast, do fast. And I want to fix it now. And I would like to implement it now. And um, <laughs> Kyle has much more patience than I. So I, I would do. I, just, I understand <laughs> the reality of making it happen when you, when yes. you have to work with other people. And I wouldn't have if I had. But there is, a lot of, there is a lot of balancing with yeah. that. And also, you know, 
for myself, I checked out of organized education a long time ago, creates a brain that's very good at um, sticking with something difficult to the end, not getting frustrated and really, I believe it's a type of endurance. And I've said this to him, but I personally think that, you know, a lot of the things when he's training for endurance physically, I know that the endurance that he had to practice to get through these different degree programs is absolutely, you know, like David Goggin, David Goggin's cookie jar, like mm-hmm. the endurance yeah. through those degrees, like that's in his cookie jar for yeah. getting through a 40 mile run. I think endurance is endurance, it mental is. or otherwise, yeah. especially after doing endurance running, you just, you, you know, it's, it's just this, this familiarity with what it takes to persist and just not not finishing something I complete is something that like, I, I don't feel good about, like I hate it. Um, and that's not to say that I haven't let things go, which is good for me because I typically don't. Um, but there's definitely been a few things like grad school, for instance, I basically only finished my master's in education because I, I didn't want to not finish it. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I was not going to be a teacher about seven months through the program. Um, but I've stood by and finish it, yeah, you know? watched the light completely go out of his eyes <laughs> with various, <laughs> with various like school endeavors yeah. or job endeavors, and yeah. like I've learned, like you know when someone's passionate and excited about what they're doing, totally. And it it's been hard for me in various like at one point he was going to be an underwater welder and like there was no light in his eyes about that, but welding's know, cool as shit. Yes, yeah. but. <laughs> you know, a philosophical debate over a glass of wine and okay, there's my brother, he's back. So, you know, it's, um, it's neat. It's neat to watch someone build something and see the light and passion in their eyes all the time. It's, and that drive. Yeah, it's just so satisfying. And uh, again, kind of going back to kind of how this all started is again, like, I learned things through my own experience trying to create businesses that work and function and that are viable. And then a lot of what you want and need for a successful idea is is this unique uh, set of knowledge, specific knowledge or skill set. And that is my sister. I don't there is no she hates the word guru appropriately. So perhaps. But like the amount the amount of information and experience she's just been exposed to, let alone taken on her own and like has has taken on and assessed and analyzed and has access to readily is insane. It's anyway, I just like from a, how from a marketing, from a business perspective, you are an amazing product. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> watching you work for other people. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, this is <laughs> no, 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 no. And like people would walk into the store that she used to work at and ask her for consultations, like, please. And she just didn't ever want to do it. And I'm like, you have no idea how much money you're leaving on the table right now with the knowledge that you've created. I've done some. Or you have access to it. And I may do them again, but it was really, it was really frustrating for me because the people who paid me and wanted to pay me, I felt like they just wanted to keep paying me to talk to me again, Mm but they weren't actually doing any of the things we discussed. Fair enough. And that was not satisfying because I mean, it's just not, it's not satisfying. If someone wants to pay you to sit down and they would like to make certain life changes and you provide them with the starting point and then you're going to meet again and get paid again, you're hoping that that person is actually on their health journey with you as Mm -hmm. the counselor. And, um, you know, at least when I tried it, that was not what I experienced and it just wasn't fulfilling. 
I think that I could probably do it differently now and be much more wise about who I said yes to. But um, it could be done well. It could be done well. It, and, it, and it probably <laughs> will. Um, but there's just no bandwidth at the moment. Yeah, and there's there's different avenues that you can take any any type of business endeavor. But the fact that, I mean, I could hear in the, the sound of y'all's voice that, I mean, the simple fact that what you're doing now with your company is filling your cup. And like, I can tell that you're both entrepreneurial at heart. And if you're, if not, not to say that you have to be an entrepreneur or have to own your own business. Like there's a lot of people that are totally fulfilled and happy working their nine to five. And I am in no place yeah. to judge them like more power to them. But if you are an mm-hmm. entrepreneurial minded person and that's what you need to have that spark and that light in your eyes, then you owe it to yourself and the world to pursue that because your ability to put out great work when you're doing something you're passionate about is just unparalleled. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. And it's genuine. Yeah. You don't, you can't fake it. No, you come to realize that, you know, if I was ever good at sales, it's because if you came to me with a thing, the first thing that I need to do is ask you a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. I need to gather data about your current state, so that I can direct you to the right supplement or food or exercise endeavor. And for a lot of people, they decide I'm gonna change my life. They find someone to pay and they get a program that's been put together and there's just not that connection. And to really help someone, you need to know what's going, you need to know things, what's going on in your life, what went on in your life a year ago. Mm -hmm. You know, I I like to know a little bit about their genes. but people end up attaching very quickly when they realize that you're actually you're actually listening and really trying to figure out how can this how what can I do to empower this person to make the one first choice that's going to make them feel better to on take, day one to take ownership to take ownership of, of their, their health yeah and then to take the next step and the next step and that's a very different process than you know uh, putting a plan down on paper that someone pays for and sending them home with it um, which. Is fantastic too, but doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't work for everyone, and there is something to be said for people feeling when you're genuinely there with them, trying to help them figure out what the first step is. Hundred yeah. percent, and a metaphor—not necessarily a metaphor, but like a a parallel to that in the business sense would be. You mentioned earlier the fact that you bootstrapped all your businesses. I mean, oh, yeah. th- there's so yeah. many companies right now where the sexy thing is to go pitch it to an investor, get on Shark Tank, and have a bunch of capital coming in, and right. you know, like hype that all up. I've never taken in outside capital, and I, I probably. I don't, I don't even think I probably, I don't think I ever would. Like, I think the the fact that I've been able to grow it and the fact that y'all have been able to grow it from a bootstrap standpoint, like you gain so much more experience and perspective and appreciation for what you've done that it, like to lose that in order to just have that seed capital, it, it doesn't make it worth it in my opinion. No. And the thing is, I don't, I don't, I don't want it. It sounds, it sounds like kind of counterintuitive for a new company to say, I don't want capital or I don't want investment, but I don't want any money that I don't know what to do with. Like Mm -hmm. if we ever had to ask for money to do anything, it would literally be only specifically to complete an order of a run so that we could continue selling a product. And Mm -hmm. it would be so minor. Like I don't, this idea of just garnering as much money as you can get. Then you're just attached. You're attached. You're beholden. You're you're beholden beholden to to like right now, it's it's us. The whatever yeah. we scrap together to create this, yeah. we're not beholden to other people and their timeframes. And that 
the the weight that we're not carrying right. by not being in that position in and of itself is worth not doing it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't I don't mean to disparage people that have their act so well together that they know exactly what to do with $10 million. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's great. Good for them. Um, and maybe we'll get there. But maybe. right now, like I think the organic growth of... It's sustainable. It just feels yes. good. And it, I think things... It's super anecdotal and it's not very database, but it just feels right. You know? Well, and we're just... We're, we just hit one year. Like, this is brand new. This, yeah. you know... We conjured this this little thing into existence. Thoughts become things. Just, yeah. <laughs> just, just kept chipping away at it. Absolutely. And when you're it's, not beholden to an investor, you're able to take that weight and that energy and pour it into your consumer and create a better product and service and experience for them. And that that's going to pay itself forward anyways. I think so. Agreed. It just seems, it seems intuitive, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I can sit here and talk business with you all day long, but I want to be respectful of y'all's time. Where can people go to find this creamer and start putting it in their morning coffee? Ketobrains.com is the best place to go. You yep. can find it on Amazon, uh, but the price is better if you just go straight to our website. And we do have um, we do have some anniversary deals going on for all of October to celebrate our first year. Um, but yeah, that's it. Ketobrains.com. And it's yeah, Keto Brains with a S or with a Z? With a Z. Uh, K-E-T-O-B-R-A-I-N-Z. Dot com. Perfect. Perfect. I'll link out to that. And and congrats on one year. Here's to many, many more. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. having us. Yeah, Absolutely. it's been great talk to you. Appreciate it. Take talk care. Today.